You've heard or, or seen the, the old homonym, the heterograph that says, uh, no God and no peace, and then no God, no peace. You hear the difference? To know God is, is to know peace. But without God, can we truly know peace? And I believe that Christ's peace at, at work in, in our lives should lead to peace that is around us for people to see and to people to know. Reverend Rogers just issued an invitation to Christ's table. Christ our Lord invites to this table all who love Him. Do you know the rest? Love Him, repent of their sin, and seek to live in peace with one another. All who come forward are making a public profession of faith we seek to live in peace with one another. What is a prescription for peace? How do you know it when you see it? What is the definition of peace? Mother Teresa said that peace begins with a smile. Love that. The Peanuts cartoon has Lucy talking to Charlie Brown and Lucy says, I hate everything, I hate everybody, I hate the whole world. And Charlie Brown says, Lucy, I thought you had inner peace. She says, oh, I have inner peace. I just have outer obnoxiousness too. <laughs> I don't know that it can work that way, do you? We just passed the peace. And we said, the peace of Christ be with you. And someone said, and also with you. The peace of Christ. My Tuesday morning and Wednesday morning Bible study groups help me with the lectionary readings each week. We, we come up with themes and we design topics and images that leap off the page at us as we're working through all four of the readings. And when I asked them this week, what is peace? They offered some similar terms. They said, one, it's calmness. It's clarity of conscience, peace is. Someone else said it's, it's submission. I like this because it ties in nicely with the Matthew reading about John when he says repentance. That's an, that's an action that we do. We submit to God's will and, and to a reality around us to find peace. But then both groups very quickly identified peace in, in different ways by telling what is, it is the absence of. It is the absence of war, the absence of conflict, the absence of worry. Peace is the absence of strife, the absence of anger, the absence of gossip, the absence of chaos, the absence of, wait for it, fear. Peace is the absence of fear because peace is the presence of God. Are you at peace right now in your life? And if so, how'd you get there? And if not, what do we need to do to start breathing to find peace, God's peace? I drove a pickup truck years ago. I love that truck. And shortly after I purchased that truck, I brought a brand new chrome diamond-plated toolbox that went on the bed of it. It shined as much as I did in my pride for having mounted it in the bed of my truck. I loved it. 
And my plan was to load it up with all the tools that I thought I needed for any given work project that might surface. So first things in, all my, my wrenches, metric and standard, every size, box end, open end. Socket set, pipe wrenches. I even had a chainsaw in there because, you know, you never know when you're going to need a chainsaw fix and a testosterone break in life. You know, just go cut something down, cut something up. You just never know. When I got all the stuff in there that I thought I needed, I realized, wow, there's a lot of room left. So you know what Southerners do with extra storage. We fill it on up, don't we? Miss Cooper had some plans about that. It was all the stuff that lined the, the garage, and it all started going in there. Soccer balls and cones and tarpaulins with, with holes in it. I might have had a broken fishing pole and a tackle box in there, too. And all this stuff just started piling on top until finally I had to sit on it to close it. You remember? You know how you do that? Like, when you go on a trip, somehow everything fits. But when you come home, it never fits. You've got to have three people to sit on it, right? That was my toolbox. I was so proud of it. It was chock full, though. Chock full. You want to know something about preachers? We have our own sermon toolboxes. And along the way, in any given week or month or year, we'll pick up a story here, or an anecdote here, a joke, a, a resource, a, a poem, an author, some commentaries to help feed the flock. And sometimes what makes it into the box and what makes it into the pulpit is precisely what all of us need. And other times, there are resources where an author gives something that's powerful, for a specific theme like Advent. But then upon further review, you realize there's something more going on with that person. Last week was a case in point. In this service, I, I referenced an author whose work that I have read and who really helps me think critically about God and about the world and about people and, and certainly about the liturgical seasons. But that same author's work is quite controversial and I was oblivious to it and when I realized that and it was brought to my attention guess what happened there was an absence of peace there was fear that maybe I had caused confusion or pain or harm to someone peace over fear I'm grateful for our liturgy and to you for proclaiming, in the name of Jesus Christ, Jay, you are forgiven. Don't we love those words? Don't we love it when someone says, the peace of Christ be with you? Doesn't that help us breathe a little better? We all need this peace over fear, preachers in included. We all have people in our lives whom, whom we admire and read and study and follow who are just as human as we are as coaches teachers politicians family members friends employers employees and when we let people down our souls are parched for peace and when people let us down we have an opportunity we have an opportunity to either give someone a piece of our mind which is no peace at all of mind or to give someone a piece of our heart or to pass the peace of Jesus Christ with another person. That fear, as we mentioned last week, of not living up to a standard, falling short of standards we set for ourselves, others set for us, God sets for us. Man, the fear just sets in and starts sinking and it causes a restlessness. St. Augustine said, Our hearts are restless, Lord, until they rest 
in you. So we all long for peace, God's peace today. In light of this gospel lesson, John the baptizer, he gives us a simple preparatory formula. He's telling the people, just keep it simple. You're going to prepare the way for the Prince of Peace. Keep it simple. Pray, fast, repent. Apparently, good old-fashioned three-point sermons aren't so bad. <laughs> Pray, fast, and repent. And people were coming from all different streams, all different regions to be baptized. I, I envisioned thousands of people calling in sick to work that day and packing a day lunch and heading out into the wilderness to hear this preacher wearing camel coats, uh, camel hairs, and eating bugs and shouting to the crowd, turn around, people! Turn around! Get it together! The kingdom of God is, is near. It's up to us, the people of God, the baptized children of God, to prepare the way for peace. If we don't, who else will? And I imagine, you know, some snarky person in the back yelling out, yeah, but, but when's he coming? When? Give us a date, I'll add it to my calendar. <laughs> it's getting full. <laughs> but kingdom peace, is, it's not an appointment to set or an appointment to keep. It's a, it's a posture, a disposition of the soul to be practiced by the one who is daring enough to rise up out of the waters of baptism and say, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. To which Jesus would say, blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called children of God. Peace. No one knows the date or the hour, but what we do know is that we glimpse God's peaceable kingdom each time we work toward peace over fear, each time we forgive someone and are forgiven by someone, each time we share a piece of our heart and not a piece of our minds, each, each time a child is dripping with water from this baptismal font, font here and her church vows to lead her in paths of righteousness no matter how chaotic and crossed up things get, there's a child who needs a church and a church who needs that child and that child just might lead us toward peace. I can't help but think that, at least according to this reading from Matthew, there's a little bit of wilderness in all of us, gnawing at our soul, just below the surface, howling like the wolf to tell us, you're not enough, or you'll never recover from this, or you shouldn't bother with this. There's a wilderness all in all of us, and it's, it's a restlessness. And that restlessness with God and with one another and with self, it, it can lead to insecurity and pain and, and fear. And we need peace. We need peace. John says, prepare the way of the Lord for the one whose sandals we are unworthy to tie. But for the one who will untie your sandals and wash your feet and say, my peace, I leave with you. And then finally, we get to this Isaiah reading. It's entitled, The Peaceable Kingdom, if you have that open in your Bible. The Peaceable Kingdom, which should strike us at our core. The lion and, and the lamb, the wolves, the leopards, the, the goats, the bears, the calves, they're all eating together. One is not trying to devour the other. Let me say that again. One is not trying to devour the other. They're at rest. One is not trying 
to devour the other. In the middle of the ferocious beasts and the vulnerable yearlings, Isaiah says there's going to be a child placed right in the middle of them. Sounds about right for Advent, doesn't it? The pairing of predator and prey, sharing life, giving us hope that there's a better way forward. We don't have to be at one another's throats or self-doubt or be self-critical or fearful that something's coming for us. Isaiah's image, it, it stands in opposition of all the brutality and, and terror that we see in this world, that we see in these relationships. And like John, when there's you know, a little wilderness in all of us, I suppose there's also a wolf and a lamb in all of us. And what this season is about is about allowing the Prince of Peace, the child, to lead us to a place where our soul becomes the peaceable kingdom. I'm looking out over, over the flock right now, just like I did at 845, and when we came up for, for Holy Communion, I, it, it just dawned on me that there's God's people are coming in this line to find peace and I saw people in line who were battling battling illness people who didn't know how it was going to turn out in the next three months I saw people who, who came forward in line and we prayed for them all week their parents have received the most horrific report from an oncologist and they came down to find peace I saw people who are worried about amassing, like all of us, amassing more debt to keep up with the culture of spending this year. How do we do that? We need peace. We hadn't paid for last year. What do we do? I saw one family come forward who, who's lost a loved one since the last time we had communion during Advent. They came looking for peace in their soul. We all need it. We need to be at peace with God, at peace with one another, at peace with ourselves. For we are called now more than ever to rest together and to eat together and to play together and to serve together. I want to leave you with a, an image one that we'll pick up over the next couple of weeks. Next week is Lessons and Carols, so it's a special kind of service for the season. But I want you to pray over this image because one way to think about moving from a place of fear to peace is to view ourselves as innkeepers. You know, you know the innkeepers in the stories of the Christmas stories? I, I just can't help but imagine that it got a little bit annoying that Mary and Joseph went you know, from one place to another. And, it's, and they said, sir, it says vacancy out there. Oh, sorry, the light's out. It means no vacancy. You know, the, the Motel 6 of Bethlehem didn't leave the light on for Mary and Joseph. Like, there's no room at the end. There's no room at the end. There's no room at the end. Time and time and time again until someone said, I don't have much. I have a cave with a, a feeding trough for my livestock. There's no room, though, in this place where you should be giving birth to this child after you're long. Well, why not? Hospitality is fundamental to this culture. Why isn't there room? And then it dawns on me. We know why there's not room. We have to make room, you and I. 
And if we're going to make room for the entrance of Christ, we have to think, well, what about the mangers of my heart? What's cluttering those so that Jesus has a place to lay his head this season? So that Jesus has a place to, to lay his head in my life? Because here's what, here's what has to happen. We're going to have to move the strife. It's got to go. The conflict, it has to go. The doubt, the confusion, the anger, the gossip, the rumor, all of it has to go. It's, it's cluttering the manger. It's cluttering the end where Christ is coming to try to break in and be born. The Prince of Peace. Will there be room for the Prince of Peace in your hearts this morning? So what I want to do is I want to invite you to come today. Come, come forward today. Spend some time here praying and what I want you to do is just leave your, leave your fears. Leave them here. Leave your doubts, leave your strifes, leave your concerns and then get up as the movie says, clear eyes, full heart, peace. And return out into the world to be a beacon of light. Peace over fear. It's what we all need this Advent.